happy Veterans Day, if there are veterans. I know it was this week, but uh, thank you for those that have served. My brother, Nathaniel, actually served in the Marine Corps uh, for... Uh, several years as a, a kind of a reservist, so a part-time warrior, I think they like to uh, call it. And he actually joined the Marine Corps outside of, uh, I think it was right after high school. Uh, and uh, he was always the brother that liked like hiking, camping. He was kind of the tough guy. He was really good shape, lots of exercising, running, push-ups, pull-ups. He tried to get me to do all those things. Wasn't always happy about it. Uh, but he was wired and, and kind of the skinny strong. And, and when he went to boot camp, uh, there was no way to really talk to him. Uh, so you're not allowed to uh, Facebook in boot camp. You're not allowed to uh, Snapchat or, or Instagram or send emails in boot camp. And so we still wanted to be an encouragement to my brother. We wanted, to, we wanted to have some sort of way to get in contact with him. And so we did the only thing that you can do, and that is write letters. We wrote letter after letter after letter. I, I wrote him. All of my brothers wrote him. My sister wrote him. My parents wrote him. His girlfriend wrote him. Uh, the pastor of our church wrote him. People from our church wrote him. Everyone wrote him letters to encourage him to get through boot camp. We all thought it was really tough. And he received like piles and piles of letters. And in the military, uh, at least in the boot camp, as you were going through it, your, your kind of level of importance and how much you were loved was measured by the number of letters you received. So my brother Nathaniel was very loved and very important. Well, we wrote him these, these notes to get him through something hard he was going through. He was going through change. He was going through this time of strengthening and internal struggle. And we all go through periods of change, periods of struggle. Uh, maybe you've recently moved up a grade or you've moved, you've changed jobs, you've uh, had a child, or you know, your parents are aging. We all go through change where uh, kind of our perspective on life and who we are is challenged just due to natural life circumstances. And we all need a message of hope. We all need to receive letters that help us get through that time period. We need encouragement. And it just so happens that we have it in something called the Bible. See, the Bible is 66 books, 66 letters that God has written to you and to me. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New. And these letters are meant to encourage us and give us hope no matter where you are. No matter what you're going through, maybe you're having a great day, there's still something that the scriptures can say into your life. See, the Bible is God's message for us, for you and for me. Verses 14 and 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 say this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have, been, have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
The Bible is God's message for us. That's why we study it, because God has sent a note to you and to me. And so we want to read this message. We want to comprehend it. We want it to impact us as we're going through life. Now, uh, God did not sit down at a desk and write this letter. Uh, We're in the book of 2 Timothy. This actually is a letter written from one person to another. Other ones are uh, poetry and and historical books. But this one was written by a a man named Paul. He was an apostle. He was what is called a sent one. And who was he sent from? He was sent from Jesus. He had the authority of Jesus to speak on behalf of God. That's a really important position. And God spoke through him through writing down the letter of 2 Timothy, and he sent this letter to a man named Timothy. He was a young pastor, and he was ministering in the church of Ephesus. So maybe some of you have heard of the book of Ephesians. That, that letter is also to the church at Ephesus. And at Ephesus, there were some problems. Uh, there were false teachers, and the culture at large didn't like Christianity. And so Paul is writing to Timothy to encourage him, to remind him what is important. And there's something else that we also know about Paul. This is the last letter he ever wrote in his life. He wrote this from prison. At one point in the letter, he says, get my cloak, because he was cold. He was sitting in a damp cell awaiting execution by Nero, by the Roman government. And if there's anything we know, it's that someone's last words are always important. And what does Paul say? Study what you've been taught. See, your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, they were believers too. They followed Jesus as well. And they taught you something important. And I also, Paul, the apostle, taught you about God. It says that, that Timothy was actually raised to, to understand the Old Testament. So while Eunice and Lois and Paul might have taught uh, Timothy what he knew about Jesus, Timothy also learned the Old Testament, the law, what we call the law, the prophets and the writings, which are like Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. That's the law. And then the prophets are some of those other like tinier books with weird names uh, in the Bible, Habakkuk. They're also the really big ones, Isaiah, Jeremiah which is when God is speaking to his people. And the writings are things like the Psalms, the Proverbs. There's also historical books like Joshua, Judges. Just just the whole picture, all 39 books, Timothy would have studied. And he would have learned this since the age of five. And notice what Paul says. He says, Timothy, these are able to make you wise for salvation. Sometimes we skip over the important words in Scripture because they don't seem very important. And you... It's a good example of that. See, Paul is saying, Timothy, these are able to make you wise. And that applies to us too. These scriptures, the Bible, is the word of God, and it's able to make us wise. Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. See, these are God's words to us. They're God's message to you and to me. And like Paul and Timothy, who were both going through tough circumstances, they were going through life change You and I also go through life change, and we need to hear these words as well. This is why we study the Bible on our own. That's why I want to challenge you, encourage you to take some time this week on your own and read the Bible. 
This is why we study the Bible in our small groups. So many people registered for small groups over the course of the last three weeks, and we're going through the sermon series, but we're also looking again at the Bible. And then finally, we're gathering here right now. You're learning the Bible. You're studying the Bible. It's because we value the Bible because the Bible is God's message to us. And God's message is not just a a, a what. It's actually a who. See, the message of God is Jesus Christ, and we're going to get to that. I worked for a a woman uh, for many years uh, in Colorado who told me uh, that in order to decide if she wanted to read a book, she would read like the last chapter. So she would read the last chapter first and see if it was good and if she liked the ending. And if she liked it, she would go back and she would read the entire book. And see, here in verse 15, Paul is spoiling the ending of the Old Testament for Timothy. He says, The Holy Scriptures make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that the whole Bible and every part is ultimately about Jesus Christ. See, God's message is not a what, it's a who. And who is the message of God? Jesus. Jesus Christ is the message of God. The whole book, every single book of the Old Testament, the New Testament too, but every single book, every single chapter, every single verse in some way points to Jesus Christ. It all points forward to him. Now Jesus, as you know, was crucified and he rose from the grave three days later. And after he rose, he went around and taught some of his disciples, really helping them understand the resurrection, understanding that all of Scripture is ultimately about God. And one time when he did this, he was on a road, the road of Emmaus, the road to Emmaus, and he was with two men. And they didn't see really who he was because he hadn't revealed himself to them. He hid his face in some ways, just his identity, And this is what uh, the scripture says, Luke 24, 27 says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, all the scriptures ultimately point to Jesus. We at Cornerstone just went through our vision and our mission, and our vision is to be a gospel-centered church. I'm going to explain what the word gospel is, but ultimately... We are a gospel-centered church because the Bible is gospel-centered. The Bible is Christ-centered. And so we want to speak his name here every single week. If you ever hear a week where I don't talk about Jesus or the worship team doesn't talk about Jesus, man, come and get us. Because the Bible is Jesus-centered. Gospel means good news. It's two words put into one. It means good news. And the good news is that anyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter whether you're kind of the perfect person and you had a great story or you had a really rough story. Anyone who's willing to say, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, and I put my faith in Christ, God offers you salvation. You can be saved. This is good news indeed. The Bible is God's message for us, and the message of the Bible is Jesus. But it's not just the friendly parts of the Bible that are God's message. It's the whole thing. It's the whole Bible in every part. The whole Bible is God's message 
for us. Verses 16 and 17 say this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the whole Bible is God-breathed. The ESV says uh, the whole, all, all Scripture is breathed out by God. So we kind of get this picture that the Bible is exhaled by God. Breathed out by God is actually another compound word. It's breathed and it's out. Uh, it's breathed in God and they're put together. God kind of breathed out his word. What does that mean? To be inspired by God. It means that God is the ultimate author of the Bible. That he guided people like Paul in Paul's writing of the scriptures. That the Holy Spirit came and, and filled Paul and, and helped him write the words. But also that God uh, kind of knew who Paul was from the very beginning. From even as he was a young child, God was shaping Paul into the man who he would become, who would write the book of First and Second Timothy. See, God didn't dictate it. There are very few parts in Scripture where God actually dictated the words. The Ten Commandments is one of them, where God actually wrote the Bible in Exodus chapter 20, the Ten Commandments. So what does this mean if, if God breathed out all of Scriptures? Well, for one, it means that there are no errors in Scriptures. God cannot speak tr- uh, a lie. God cannot tell any untruth. And that means all the Bible is true equally in every single part. But inspiration even more than that means that we can't pick out which part of the Bible is true and which part of the Bible is false. So this means that those dark and hard stories in the early books of the Bible, like the Canaanite genocide, those are equally as scripture as the birth of Jesus and as the return of Christ in the book of Revelation. That's all scripture. That's all God's breathed out word, which is really challenging. And I don't have time to wrestle with it all today, but that's really challenging. We can't Choose the parts we like and throw out the rest because there is power in the whole story. Now, maybe some of you have seen the new Star Wars trailers. Maybe you like Star Wars. I personally like Star Wars. I wish the trailers would stop coming out so that my productivity would increase. Now, of the original three movies, I have a least favorite, and I might lose some congregants by saying this. My least favorite is The Empire Strikes Back. Gasp! It's the second one. The reason I don't like that one as much is because I watched it as a kid, and it was always really scary when Han Solo was frozen in carbonite. I felt really bad for Princess Leia (laughs) and for Han Solo. I didn't like it. Now, what if I were to go to that second Star Wars movie and remove it from the canon to say that Star Wars movie is no longer a part of the original trilogy? Well, for one thing, suddenly the Star Wars saga would become very, very confusing. You would watch the first and then the third and you'd wonder, well, how did Luke Skywalker grow up so quick? He seems so mature and he has a robotic hand. When did that happen? And Darth Vader is his father? Oh, man. So you wouldn't get the story. You wouldn't get the full picture. When we take out the parts of the Bible that we don't like, we don't get the full story of Scripture. 
See, are there parts in the Bible that are dark parts, that are sad parts, but they're still in there to teach us something, to teach us about how holy God is and how he cannot stand sin, but also to teach us how gracious God is and how merciful he is to you and to me. The whole Bible is God's message for us. And it teaches us how to live and and what to do, what to believe. Verse 17 says, All Scripture is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness. So these, these words kind of come in pairs. Teaching and rebuking are really a positive and a negative way of saying what to believe and what not to believe. And correcting and training are similar. They're kind of a positive and negative way of saying how to live and how not to live. See, the Bible teaches us what to think about reality, about truth. And the Bible also teaches us how to live our lives in obedience to that truth that God has told us. But not only that, verse 17 says that the Bible equips us for every good work. The Bible, in some mysterious way, helps us accomplish what God calls us to because it teaches us how to live. It equips us. It prepares us. When we study the Bible, we are preparing ourselves to do something really good. What is the good work in verse 17? Well, the whole Bible is God's message for us to share. This is really the main point of the passage. The whole Bible is God's message for us to share. Verses 1 and 2 say, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. See, God calls us to share his message with others. We're to share what we're learning about the Bible, what we're, how we're being challenged, and how the Bible points to Jesus. Ultimately, we're to share these things. We're to talk about them with other people. Paul takes this very seriously. He is about to die. And he is about to stand in the presence of God. And he says, I charge you as if I am standing in God's presence, as if you are standing before God's very face. I want you to know that God has called you to be his witness, to share the word, to preach the gospel. When are you to preach it? In season and out of season? When it's convenient? When it's not convenient? We excuse ourselves sometimes from talking about Jesus because we don't know enough. We think we don't know enough. But if you've been studying the Bible, if you know the Bible at all, God has been preparing you. You are ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. And if you ever read any of those New Testament stories, like the healing stories where Someone where Jesus heals someone, they go out and they, they immediately begin to talk about Jesus. They don't say, oh, i got to go read my Bible first. They just say, look at what God has done. That's why I love our faith stories, because it provides an opportunity where you can encourage each other. But it doesn't have to be just in here where we, where we preach the word. We can preach the word out there in our jobs with our neighbors as we share from the heart, as we share from God's word. We're to do this all the time. The whole Bible is God's message for us to share. Now, some of you may have heard this story before. Um, One summer, I I traveled to Croatia 
Uh, I, cr- I traveled to Croatia with my wife and her family. Uh, and I was sitting in the Zagreb airport uh, on the way back, and I was studying this exact passage of Scripture. So I- I've preached this Scripture passage before at Emmanuel Church, and I was studying preparing for that sermon. It was actually my candidating sermon uh, at Emmanuel, which is like uh, your kind of your big interview sermon. And I was sitting in the terminal, the airport terminal, and I was thinking about this passage and how God uh, was challenging my heart to not only know God's word, but also to share the God's word. And I was sitting there, and, and, and three, uh, four seats to my left, there was a man talking on his cell phone. And I know none of you ever listen to other people as they're talking on their cell phones. Uh, but one thing jumped out at me. He said, he said, Uh, It was a real spiritual time. I found many answers, but not all the ones I was looking for. So that's just a snapshot. I just heard that, and I was just like, oh, no. Oh, no, someone is looking for something spiritual, and I'm sitting right here, and God is kind of convicting me with this scripture passage, preach the word in season and out of season. God, this is out of season. We're in a different country. It's inconvenient. (laughs) But he does speak English. And so I went to the men's restroom and kind of gave myself a prep talk and prayed that the Holy Spirit would come. He can show up right there in the airport. And I went back, and I sat down like three seats away from him, and I like moved one seat. It was kind of creepy. Uh, uh, and I was like, hello, sir. You know, I, I, I'm a pastor, and I heard that you're looking for something spiritual. Uh, and he said, well, no, I'm actually the president of the Mormons for all of Croatia. I was like, oh, Okay. So here was someone who, who uh, was interested in spiritual things and had a different worldview than I, I would ascribe to. But for the next 30 minutes, we got to talk. And he shared with me kind of his beliefs. And I got to share with him the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel in its fullness. That, that salvation is by faith alone. Faith in Jesus. And I did not convert him. He did not become a Christian as far as I know, but that's not the point. God just says to obey him, to share the good news, and trust the results up to him. Who knows where that man's story will lead? But God provides us these opportunities so that we can preach the word out of season. Whether we realize it or not, like we are ready. You, you are ready. You can do this. The Bible prepares us. It equips us. Our passage says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort in all patience and teaching. Now, just a disclaimer on this. This does not mean rebuke on Facebook. This does not mean Facebook rant. It doesn't mean get frustrated when people don't get it. It means to be patient and to share the message of Jesus Christ and and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to work in someone's life at the right time, that he is going to open up their eyes to Jesus when it's God's timing, not yours. And I think there's this implied concept in this passage that we're to build relationships, form friendships, and love people that believe differently than us whether or not they ever put their faith in Jesus. We don't want to have manipulative friendships. We want to have real friendships. We want to have authentic friendships with people, with everyone. We share God's message no matter the results. Verses 3 and 4 say, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. 
They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. See, we share God's message even when others will not listen. When people say, you know what, this isn't for me. And that's, that's their decision. We're just called to share. Now, I know that many people won't listen because people don't like it when you tell something, them something's wrong with them. This is why doctors are so popular. The doctor says, there's something wrong with you. And you say, I'm going to get a second opinion. We do this with the truth, too. See, the Bible tells us that there is something fundamentally wrong with people. And that's called sin, that we have a broken relationship with God. That we rebel against God naturally. That we want to elevate ourselves to be God. And that's a message that most people don't want to hear. That they're not the Lord of their own universe. See, this is a hard message, but we're called to share it. We're called to help people turn away from myths. Paul says that people, even inside the church, Timothy, people inside your church will turn away to myths. Myths, uh, I was trying to think of kind of an interesting way to explain myths. Uh, Myths are obviously like fantasy, kind of, um, you know, like the Greek gods, something that's just made up uh, to to kind of convince people, a made-up religion. Uh, but we experience these even today in comparison to, like, the truth of the historic Jesus. So myths are kind of like soul candy or like spiritual candy. They're the idea that, you know, everyone goes to heaven no matter what you believe. That is a myth. Another myth is that there's no hell. That's a myth. Another myth is that... Uh, is that you can believe in any religion or anything you want. All that matters is if you have faith. That is a myth. It is soul candy. It's, it's tasty when you first try it. It kind of explodes the chemicals in your brain. But at the core, it is bankrupt. There's no truth to it. There's no depth. It doesn't match up with reality. It doesn't match up with God's word. We believe and do things all the time that are bad for us. I encourage you, the medicine is to focus on God's word. That's the full meal. That's the healthy meal. This week, uh, I, my car wouldn't start. And I looked under my hood, and there was purple battery acid, like foaming around one of the, it was dried, but it foamed around one of the connectors. And I used some Coke to clean off the, the dried battery acid. Uh, but before I put the Coke on my battery acid, I drank some of it. <laughs> because that seemed like a good idea. <laughs> we do the same thing. We are attracted to what is not healthy. We are attracted to untruths. My heart would rather believe in universalism than the cause of Jesus, because everyone would go to heaven. But the Bible says this is not the case. And so we are called to preach a different message. Our core value uh, this week is Bible. We study, preach, apply, and share God's word. We're making the Bible a part of our DNA as a church so that we never run away from Jesus. Because the whole Bible ultimately points to Christ. The whole Bible is about him, and we never want to forsake Jesus because Jesus never forsook us. 
He was willing to go to the cross, to Calvary, to pay the penalty for our sins. And when we turn away from the scriptures, we turn away from that sacrifice, from everything that he did for us. We have a healthy meal to share. The Bible, God's word, is a healthy meal. And it's much better than soul candy or Coke. The whole Bible is God's message for us to share. I put a lot of thought and time into writing my, my brother Nathaniel in boot camp. I, I actually wrote him jokes. I would look up jokes online because I figured boot camp is a sad place. You're going to need to laugh some. And so I wrote jokes into these letters. He probably just skipped over those. Uh, and, and, and sometimes I told him, like, you're my hero. You're, you're doing something amazing. Uh, and I wondered how he received uh, my letters. And he told me, this is my, you know, Marine brother, tough, also very gentle and kind. Uh, and he said that sometimes he would cry when uh, he would read my letters. We believe in a God who has put just as much time and thought and loving care into the letters that he has written us. He, he, he is from eternity past. He is from forever. And he was kind of ordaining, putting in place everything that would take place in order to give you these letters, in order that one day you could read the NIV translation. That's how much God loves you. That's how much God cares for you. Sometimes we read the Bible like an encyclopedia. It's kind of boring. Or sometimes we read it and it feels like a, an email of just to do, do this, do this, do this, get it done. God doesn't want us to read the scriptures like that. He wants us to read it as a personal note from him to us, from him to the church, from him to his people. As we read it together, as we understand it, as we study it, we're going to understand more of God and ultimately, we're going to understand more of his love for us, for you, and for me. Don't you want to know about this love? I encourage you to go home and read your Bibles this week so that you can understand the love of God more and more every day. The whole Bible is God's message for us to share. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can hear from you today, thousands of years after you guided those early authors. Thank you that your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts through what you've written here. Help us understand it. Help us take it home. Help us read our Bibles this week. We know it's not always easy. And help us share the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of the Bible with those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.